Reddit questions, really. I know, right? But that's that's what's gonna happen. So you ready, bud? Sure. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Welcome everybody to Feathers and Feathers and Friends, episode number one. I think this is the end of season three, Gaio. I think this is the end of season three. Okay. Is what episode this is. Uh, either yeah. that or, yeah, no, I, I, I honestly think this is the end of season three, if I'm correct. Uh, and for something at the end of season three, we, we're going to do something different. Uh, the world according to Gaio, because he wanted to, <laughs> he wanted to try something out here a little bit. He he wanted to tell me a story, of which I only know the title. But sir, do you do you want to fill us in? Yeah. So, oh man, it's the past year, uh, as you and I have random conversations with random people, myself as well, and just come throwing out random factoids or anecdotes, I've had people tell me, "Man, you should start a podcast." You know, it's it's really interesting the way you uh, present things like just random factoids about world, the world or life or whatever in history. And, you know, I always tell them, well, funny, you mentioned that I already have a podcast, but it's totally something different because, you know, I can't talk about my podcast at work cause it's NSFW. So, mm-hmm. um, and then here recently it just kind of been at the front of my mind more, uh, between you guys with the, with the chat that we have with the other podcasters and with other friends and i said you know what maybe i should give it a try so i just threw it out there you jumped on and said yeah let's do this i was like well this is more of an idea of like down the road i said well fuck it what do you want to learn about because i forgot what i mentioned with the chat and then you said hey i want to learn more about this and it was something else i was talking about brothel yeah Yeah, so you want to learn about brothel and then on that note (laughs) but no no you said you changed your mind because you weren't sure and then i told you on that note of brothels where we get the poontang word from uh, which is basically a bastardization of uh, putain, which is French for hooker slut. Just depends on whether you're using old 17th century um, French or modern French. So, And then you said monogamy, and I said, sure. Yeah, so it was just like, hey, modern monogamy, because it's, it's been another topic that's been on coming up or boiling on some other episodes on my podcast that's going to be coming soon or next year for next season. Okay. Okay. So there is going to be a link in the show notes because apparently I'm supposed to put it there uh, to where you can read up uh, about this research. It is from uh, Laura Betzig. She, it's called Medieval Monogamy, Journal of Family History. And it's going to be like a link straight to the PDF file. Um, 36 pages of shit I don't care to read, but Gaio did. Uh, so here we are. <laughs> Uh, where Gaio is going to tell us a story where I'm going to interject constantly. So this is going to be kind of like a dollop sort of thingy, but it's going to be according to Gaio. So, sir, where the fuck are we starting? That is an, a good question because I was wondering where it should start because on one hand, we got to take into consideration what your listeners are. Are they evolutionists, creationists, or intelligent design believers? So... Whatever the case may be, we still have to accept the fact that there is the Roman Catholic Church, its existence, how it's kind of been around for millennia, and how that kind of plays a role in medieval, sorry, how that plays a role in monogamy. Okay. And so pre-medieval times, and even through medieval times, there was polygamy, which is uh, multiple partners, traditionally or more uh, um, commonly understood as a man with several wives which is actually called polygyny. And when it's a woman with several husbands or male partners, then it's uh, polandry. Polandry? Andry is the last word. So, um, but more commonly known just polygamy, which is what I was taking taking into account for this whole story thing. Okay. And um, so if you've ever read the Bible or heard about past emperors, uh, Chinese dynasties, or even... Uh, Ottoman Empire, or whatever empire that existed, more often than not, the emperors or kings would have their wife. They'd have concubines, they'd have mistresses, they'd have, you know, dalliances, whatever. You know, they'd hook up with randoms. So there would be marital monogamy, but sexual polygamy. So it, the, 
the two, monogamy is never really mutually exclusive. Just because you're married to husband and wife doesn't mean that you're going to have sex, just husband and wife, even into modern times. Mm -hmm. But the reason we have monogamy more common nowadays is kind of like based back on kings and queens back in medieval times. And that paper by Laura Betzig is essentially, was it the church that made this happen? And it's more of a, a bunch of different things that happened. And my interest in this in particular. So the way I do things or research, I usually don't just Google things. If I want to learn something, I don't just, Hey, Google, what is medieval, uh, or where did monogamy come from? I usually go to one second. Really? Yeah. Well, I have a Google home in my office and it heard me say the word. So now it's like, Oh, <laughs> you're talking to me. You want to hear about medieval. So it started talking. So if it picked up anything in the background, no. sorry. No, I had to like unplug it. So like you, um, you, you read actual like papers and stuff like that. You don't just, I, I skim them actually. So I really don't read the papers. What I go for is go to Google scholar, look for theses or theses proper pronunciation. And what I'll do there is look at the abstract, which is kind of like the proposed idea or the hypothesis. And then I'll go to the conclusion because the whole body of work is just so much academic crap. That's hard to read through this one that you're going to link is actually one of the easiest ones I've ever read as far as uh, how they explain it. Cause it's very informal. Okay. It's not a, a proper thesis. Actual theses are hard to fucking read. So I normally just read the abstract hypothesis and then the conclusion, what they figured out from doing all the research and all the stuff that they did. And then I'll also look at the footnotes and citations and look for authors' names and then Google those for, or look on YouTube and search for those authors and search for those, um, the people and see if they've had any interviews and then I can get like a better overview of what they're talking about. So it's not just, um, oh, this is what Google said it is. And the reason for that, and it's going to go even crazier. So recently, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, it's a Twitter or tweet. That's a meme that uh, talking about Charles Dickens is an allegory for poverty. And we nowadays um, make less than uh, Bob Cratchit because he was paid 15 shillings and they did the math and it says basically that uh, accounting for inflation, Bob Cratchit made like 27,000 a year and it's X amount of dollars an hour, which basically means that, that he, Bob Cratchit made more money than someone on minimum wage. However, okay. I went into the research, a shilling is basically equal to a nickel. So 15 nickels, 75 cents, essentially 75% of a pound. And they were counting 15 shillings as 15 pounds. That's why they got the, the math wrong. Oh, Essentially, okay. if you do adjust for inflation correctly, Bob Cratchit made about a hundred bucks a week, $111 a week. And this was before unions. So this is before we had weekends, before we even had overtime. So he was making about a dollar an hour back then, if you adjust for inflation. And so that's one of the things that sticks out for me is that I don't just take any information I get off the internet or a meme or a picture or whatever at face value, I like to do my own research to not just parrot what everyone else says. Yeah, but but didn't we used to? Wasn't like a dollar twenty five? Like, wasn't that like like a, a decent wage way back in the day? Like before? Like, I mean, you could live on that way back then. This is also, yeah. well, totally off topic. Uh, the World Bank was starting to come into power, so we didn't have a lot of inflation. And on a different topic, which I'd love to talk about on a future episode of The World According to Gaio, whether it's here or on my own podcast, is uh, inflation and how Russia and China are actually good models for what the world should be like as far as living wages. You know, they don't make that much money, but the average Russian only carries about $20 worth of debt. We're talking like on credit cards, mortgages, whatever they don't borrow more than $20 at any given time. Um, but then also their daily wages are about a hundred bucks a day or sorry, a hundred bucks a week, but they can live on that. They can have their food, they have their house, they have everything paid for. Whereas we, we see them as less than, Oh my God, they only have a hundred bucks. They can't buy an iPhone, but they don't need an iPhone. They, they live just fine with the resources they have. We have inflation because of the world bank and does all the crap. Anyways, back to monogamy. Yeah. So okay, so we we go all the way back. So the the Roman, because I half paid attention there. The the the, the Roman Catholic Church. You said, mm -hmm. 
So they, okay. So I I know the kings and queens and stuff like the the queen was kind of just like a ceremonial place for the longest time. If it, there was a king there, so when so let's 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 jump forward to where the Roman Catholic Church starts to play its role in what modern day monogamy is and right shit. So ba- so back on topic. Yeah. Uh, one of the things is. It just kind of the, the the overall structure is for inheritance. The way inheritance worked back then, and this is from just most of uh, what is now Europe, uh, broken up into Normandy, Saxony, uh, Germania, and all the other crap that's there. Uh, essentially, only the firstborn son was eligible to receive the inheritance, to get lands, to get money, to get property. And so, if I had any brothers, my siblings, my brothers, if I'm the oldest son. I get the house, I get the estate, I get the money, I get all the stuff. My siblings, I take care of them from the estate, but they get pieces of it. And then my firstborn son would get the property. But what would happen if I die before my firstborn son becomes of age? Then my next brother would be in line. When he dies, instead of his son, my son would get the get the property because he's next in line. It's just he's not old enough to be a man to be able to run the household. So things would kind of leapfrog back and forth, but the original line is supposed to be meant to kept in, be kept intact. So what's the benefit for other males to bother to gather wealth or do anything if everything's always going to go to the firstborn son? And so the Roman Catholic Church realizes, hey, if we don't figure something out, we are going to have an uprising that's going to go up against the monarchy. And then how are we going to control the people? Because their only sway over humanity is you listen to us, we'll get you into heaven. That's kind of like the tagline for churches in general. Okay. So at least Western churches. But how, how, how does, how does the, the whole inheritance and the church thing go hand in hand? So that also applies to the Kings. So the Kings have to follow the church law, where they enforce uh, no divorces, no extramarital affairs, no concubines, all this other stuff. And if you're also aware, or your listeners know about kings, ha- kings and feudal lords having uh, uh, what was called first night, that they could choose to have the first night with a wife. Whenever she got married, she's a virgin. Um, it was, oh, you know what? She's cute. She's going to come spend the night with me to prove that she's a virgin or whatever. And so that would that- also make Prima Nocta? Prima Nocta, yeah. First yeah. night. Hey. Hey. Yeah. And so that kind of goes hand in hand together with that, where the men were kind of getting fed up with, why am I giving up, you know, the, the first night with my wife, getting to pop that cherry, however they want to phrase it. But essentially, they are becoming disgruntled. They're becoming unhappy. They're um, so the not way, becoming it, revolutionary. Say again? So the inheritance thing is starting to wear on people's nerves. The mm-hmm. you're getting into heaven, premium and octa. So it's kind of a, a culmination. Okay, I see where we're going because I'm like, why does inheritance have anything to do with what we're talking about now? And then the church, what? So like, sorry, I'm I'm okay. So we're 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 going towards revolution. Mm-hmm. And this isn't entirely because leading to French Revolution or any other revolutions for against monarchies Mm -hmm. it's just kind of like the church sees a gauge or the the temperament of the people because they deal with people all the time the priests are there doing uh masses all that whole nine so they kind of get frontline view of what's going on Mm -hmm. whereas feudal lords and kings their only interaction with the peasants or the poor people is whenever they're kind of stepping on them oh what do i got on my shoe ew get off me you know, so there, so there's a total disassociation. It's kind of like modern day celebrities. Ah, um, okay. You know, think of like Gwyneth Paltrow and Kanye and Kim <laughs> that have these crazy ass names for these kids, and you know they have all these demands and expectations of things because they're so departed from what everyday life is like. They have no idea what the world is like anymore. Like they somehow forgot. So imagine generations of that. Not that that someone becomes famous. And then someone's famous kid like uh, Goldie Hawn and then her daughter, you know, yeah, that's one or two generations of celebrities. But we're talking about generations upon generations of royalty that have a total disassociation, no regard for human life and treat humans as toys, essentially, or other humans as toys. 
So that's brewing a lot of discontent. And eventually the church realizes we need to step in and figure out how to do something. So that's where enforcing laws uh, that apply also to the king, because if the king doesn't listen to these, then he's not going to get into heaven. And this is, what was it? Henry VIII, the one with all the wives that kept beheading all his wives, though he was doing it because his wives, or rather he was having a lot of daughters, not sons. Mm -hmm. Without a son, he doesn't have an heir. So that kind of ties all back together with it, the having to have an heir to do it. Of course, now we know genetically sons are come from or sired by the father. It's the father's genetics to determine whether or not you have a boy, not the women. And anyway, so Henry, I want to say the eighth, but one king, the one that had all the wives that he kept killing because he kept having daughters. Um, and that ties into this as well, where the whole thing is trying to have heirs to be able to keep your royal bloodline pure, to keep your line or keep the money in the family. And so Rothschilds, uh, where we also get the World Bank, that's what I was kind of tying into it, is he had figured out a way to be able to pass on his inheritance to all of his children to divide it up evenly versus having one child with just one. Because what good is it to have an inheritance to go down one family line when one of those sons is a fucktard and doesn't know how to manage money, blows it on women, blows it on gambling, squanders the inheritance, squanders the money. Now what happens to the property? Someone else can come by and buy it. Someone else can take over the quote unquote dynasty. So Rothschild mm -hmm. kind of set the precedent for being able to have inheritance distributed among several children, several sons. And that became a pattern across Europe, which kind of got spread around there. So Rothschild, because it's funny that you mentioned that there's actually a city in Wisconsin called Rothschild. Uh, I actually attended uh, school out there, uh, believe it or not, when I was a wee little lad. But so because there's so many, like, okay, so just, just so I can follow it here, because with with the with the single way that receiving your inheritance, it, it's the firstborn, just the firstborn mm -hmm. out of how many, and it's, it's just trying to preserve the legacy is always the hard one because you want to make sure your son is, is, is hard. So even though you're having all these kids, why not con con continue the dynasty through everybody instead of just that one single track? Uh, but if, if, if the goal is to spread the wealth, where does monogamy come into play with this? Because like if, if we're spreading the wealth, why am I not going out trying to get a bunch of ladies to, to like the Jared here? You know what I mean? So that was a benefit of being rich and wealthy, that the wealthy could, you know, go out and spread his seed and hook up with as many women as he could possibly afford to. He would have his wife, he would have his concubines, he would have his mistresses, wet nurses, kitchen ladies, whatever that he had available to his household to be able to play with. There are some kings that remain monogamous through the entirety of their marriage, never played around with anyone else. Um, but this goes on to reinforce that kings had to follow church law to be able to get into heaven. So that was crap. There's a very pious or very uh, religious king. One of the first British kings, or he wasn't British, but he's eventually kind of flows into uh, the UK kingdoms or the United Kingdom. Um, basically an ancestor of the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth uh, was a very religious king and decided, okay, yes, we should uh, remain, remain monogamous. We should do all these things according to the church law. So that way, not only am I preserving the integrity of my family, both in name as having legitimate children and no, no legitimate children can come by later and say, oh no, I have a claim to the throne or I have a claim to this property because, you know, I'm a bastard son or daughter, but also to be an example for the people to be a pious king, be a pious person to be good in life, to be able to have an afterlife or maybe welcome into heaven. Um, okay. So it's not entirely the church that had to do with this because also men are getting fed up. Why am I bothering tilling this land if I'm going to die in this land and, and do nothing? And why not become a vagabond? So then there's this criminal element that rises because if they can't marry or have the money to be able to afford to marry, then why bother serving this king? I could be a bandit and rob and steal and pillage and rape and get all the sex I want without having to commit to a marriage. 
And so it was a culmination of a bunch of other things. And I don't think that that's, this is part of the thesis that I read. This is all from, like I said, as, as I study various things, kind of things kind of stick out and stick with me as far as being all around the same timeline as far as medieval times. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how much of what I'm saying here is still in that thesis because this is an old one. This was written in 95 and I read this probably eight or nine years ago. Okay. And so anyways. So um, asterisk. Yeah, asterisk. So this is, a lot of this is information that I'm giving you is going to be in the thesis. And some of this information is just culminations of other theses that I've read. So um, feel more than that welcome to at me or do your own research and figure out what, you know, what's the truth. But essentially modern monogamy is thanks to men who got fed up with the way Kings got to have their basically have their uh, cake and eat it too. Sorry, eat their cake and have it too. Sorry. That's also the correct phrase for that thing. But anyways, um, men getting tighter that a uh, pious King deciding, Hey, you know what? I should be an example and be a good King as well as be a good Christian or Catholic subject because it was still Catholicism then. Mm -hmm. uh, the Reformation also fighting the whole thing. So Martin Luther pushing all, um, pushing against the, the Roman Catholic Church. And so the Roman Catholic Church trying to consolidate their power, maintain their power, also enforcing, okay, yeah, we the king should also behave and follow the rules of the church just as the normal people do. And for, there was a fourth one. Damn it, now I forgot. So just as, as you're kind of thinking here, uh, um, so the dudes, the, the normal dudes who are tilling land who are being basically slaves, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, to, to the king, are basically getting fed up with the fact that he is able to, because they don't pay them nearly enough to do what they do, they're, they're under servitude, or serfdom. I, is that what it is? Serfdom? Yeah. So basically, they would basically getting chilled out of everything that they're like, hey, well, he's got all the chicks and women. Why am I making him all this bunch of money? And so the Mr. Britain comes in and says, no, I, I should be this uh, correct guy because the church is like, hey, dude, we're going to oh, your shit's going to get overthrown because we, we have to set this example. The people are the people are rebellious and they, they want to overthrow it. So by setting that example, he's probably showing because that's how celebrities are. Right. It's, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow is like, look at this goop. It'll help you when really it's just Walmart off brand, whatever face cream that's doing what it normally does. She's selling it for 80 bucks a pop. People are using it. They have that influence. Now, the king is pious. He's single. Uh, he gets a woman. He marries her. And then he lives a very monogamous, very uh, pious life, gets the people in order. And everyone's kind of falling in line. You're, you're having less and less vagabonds. Crime is coming down. The new sheriff is town. He's uh, locking shit down, getting things going. And uh, okay, okay, we're 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 tracking, we're tracking here. Yeah. And, and that's a condensed version, but I mean that that's generally the point that I was trying to get across is that you know there's a lot of factors that come in together. Whereas the thesis by uh, Laura Betts or Betzig is just asking the question: Did the church play a role, and how much of a role did the church play in making this happen? Okay. And essentially, it's yes, they did play a role but not as big as people would expect because, you know, it does propose uh, be monogamous. But if you actually read the Bible, there's nothing in there about being monogamous. In fact, King Solomon had a thousand concubines. Abraham <laughs> had uh, several wives and he had uh, sons by Sarah and some of her cousins or sisters. I forget which it was, ah, but cheating was, so no, 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 not cheating. It's it was Sarah. there with his wives. Sarah's my girlfriend. <laughs> There we go. There oh, we go. Right. He gets it, guys. He gets it. Now I'm gonna butt on butt. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I I mean, because wasn't the church back in the day like weren't they kind of like, hey, Mr. King, like sup, like hey, check it out. We we've got the the feelers to go out there. Because I mean, yeah, like the king's got feelers everywhere. They got their own CIA. But the church, they can infiltrate everywhere. Everyone was kind of wanting to be led into heaven and and live that good life and have the beautiful afterlife. So I could, I mean, I could see where they would have sway, but like, yeah, that's, that's a good question. Was it 50? Was it 75%? Or is it like, bro, you need to fall in line or this shit is over. We are done. It, it depends on, it would, it would depend, I would say on the country. So whether we're talking about the UK, France, Italy, um, 
the Balkans, which is like Turkey and the Ottoman Empire, okay. uh, the Netherlands. So different areas would have different forms or different amounts of sway because there's some areas that have little to no influence by the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church had more of like an advisory role. They'd always have either a cardinal or a bishop that would be, depending on how big of the king uh, or kingdom was, as to what type of advisor that they would be sending off to the king. And the advisor was there more as a spiritual advisor, but then he would also say, hey, you know, I'm hearing from my priest over in uh, South Notting Hill, whatever, that uh, little Buckingshire ham they're not happy because you know you're taking all their wheat and giving it everywhere else and they're only getting you know shitty bread so maybe give them some better bread because you know they're going to stop making your wheat and kind of those kind of advisory things but then also seeing the big picture of hey all these single guys are getting fed up and they're not doing any work and some of these single guys over here are going out and raping and pillaging or whatever so uh, it's it was just kind of like not so much advisory in the sense of telling them, hey, you need to do this, but more of like, um, we're safe because everybody wants to go to heaven. They got to come to us, but we need your money. So we're going to be good to you and tell you what you should do to keep these people in line. So it's kind of like uh, one hand washes the other type of situation, because of course, the the only thing richer than the Catholic church now is McDonald's. Mm. Well, but I mean, if, if you take away the, the wealth of the the because yeah yeah one hand washes the other they're technically safe until they're not but they don't want to have to try to solo it they want yeah no so so mr mr king britain here because we don't you don't remember his name and i'm not gonna look it up um he he's he sets the the he sets the the standard so how does how does how does monogamy poof into existence uh, throughout the rest of uh, the correct EU and, and then the rest of the world. So with that part, <clears throat> that king and other kings or feudal lords kind of following that example. And of course, that, that's always been part of the, the monarchy is that the having that monogamy gives you your heirs, but mm-hmm. having that monogamy and being an example to do it, not just to have provide for your heirs, but also provide for... Sword. So you're, you're still doing it for inheritance, but the rules aren't so much the firstborn son uh, family line or bloodline. It's your family can now keep what they have, keep what they uh, earn in their lifetime. You can pass it on. So and the legacy so, can continue. So yeah, to keep the legacy going. And so then that would also push women to maintain their um, fidelity to their spouses, fidelity to their husbands. Because- you know, back then, even women had needs and would scratch their itch with the stable boy or whatever. But if it could be proved that the son is a stable boy's son, well, now her son and herself lose her position and lose her house because, oh, yeah, the house is going to go to my husband's brother's uncle because that's the bloodline originally. But if now my son can get the house and property and he can take care of me in my old age, I better have only my husband's children. So it enforced celibacy or sorry, not celibacy, um, fidelity between the marriage uh, in that sense. So it's, it's a bunch of things as far as laws and rules go along with that the church helped push as far as uh, influencing laws and rules with the kingdom towards a king, because this is what you need to do to get into heaven. So it's basically a little full circle. And so I, I'm kind of curious on this. So with, with with the guys not getting women, essentially, they started to become the uh, modern-day incel where they were just losing their shit, uh, but just something I can throw throw towards the dartboard. And mm-hmm. so they found a workaround to where it's like, hey, look, if, if you're not – like, I'll, I'll get with you, but if you're not stable – I can throw you to the wayside and everything that is not me to the wayside. And I, I was jealousy a big thing back then or was there not so much jealousy? Cause it's like, well, I mean, yeah, you slept with a stable boy, but I also slept with a stable boy's mom, you know, like I got with her because we needed to scratch the itch. And, and like, it, it seems like it was kind of like just a big love fest orgy where jealousy wasn't really a big thing back then. 
think jealousy did play a role or was a thing, but pragmatism or practicality ruled out. It's like, okay, I should behave because it's going to benefit my family in the long run. And so if I'm going to be a slut or a whore, male slut, man slut, however, I'm not saying only women were sluts. I'm just saying slut in general we, we for anybody. We know what you're talking about. Right. So anyone who decides to do that risks being exposed, risks being found out, and then losing either their inheritance or losing the property for their ch children, not losing it as in, um, you know, that, that it gets taken away from the bank, but losing it basically that their son, their child's legitimate claim towards their inheritance is up in the air because they're a bastard son and bastard children don't get to inherit anything. So stigmatism is uh, stigmas are starting to come out a little bit more in full force and your social status drops, but there have been rules that have been created because of the way the Rothschilds decided to say, I can spread my wealth over my entire family to continue the legacy with all of them instead of just kind of this very slow trickle down effect where it's one after another after another. Well, where people, okay, I'm seeing the bigger picture here. And the Rothschilds, I want to say, was in the 1300s or 1500s. I get the two confused because uh, I think it's Rothschilds was 1300s because by the time the Medici's came around, I want to say that was 1500s because they were during, um, not medieval, enlightenment, um, renaissance. Okay. So, so yeah, I think it's Rothschilds 1300s. Okay, so now that now that everything is kind of spinning up with these rules, these regulations, the you're not going to get in heaven, where the church is really starting to play that play their hand, and everything kind of falls in line. We're we're, we're kind of where where are we at in the time frame? Like, are we we eighteen, sixteen, seventeen hundreds? Where are we at? Uh, we're it's probably the, by the thirteen hundreds that it's more firmly in place. Okay, where like you said, incels decided, hey, I'm tired of being an incel. I want a wife. I want someone to have sex with in a regular basis. Um, and so it's that whole potential of uprising thing. It's also the bandits and stuff that they had at the time. And eventually that enforcement of, okay, the king can only have one wife. He can't have concubines. If he does, he risks losing uh, the validity of his dynasty towards them. Because like the Rothschilds was able to spread their um, wealth amongst their children, then that gave the bastard children a legitimate claim not to be able to be a king, but to be able to get money or a, a property or whatever. So then instead of keeping the dynasty, the legacy, and having all the properties, all the estates, all the everything going to one child, now there's a potential for getting broken up not just with the one child siblings in uh, legitimate siblings from his wife, but also his bastard children could come mm -hmm. and get a claim or not even a claim, just part of the money. Like, okay, just give me 500 bucks or, you know, whatever would be enough to not hurt the family. But if he had 20 Ill illegitimate children, then that's going to hurt the family and probably put him in the poor house because now they're they're having to dole out money because the mm -hmm. church says, okay, this is how much a bastard child is worth. Okay, yeah, no, no, that makes sense. So you, you're wanting, so you're wanting to keep it Instagram clean or social media clean, where you know all just just positives, no negatives. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So where where do we go from there now that the rules, the stigmas, everything is kind of falling into place where we're in modern day uh, society? Where does that where does that kind of leave us now? And see, now we're going away from the church. You know, there's everyone that's, not everyone, let me phrase that. Uh, most Americans would identify as Christian if they had a, you know, gun to their head, you know, who do you place your faith in? I believe in God. Which God? Uh, JC, right? Um, whichever one we decide, yeah. Right, whichever one we decide, but more, more commonly, Americans usually would pick uh, the Christian God or the Abrahamic God. Otherwise, people the, would say, oh, I'm wait. agnostic or I'm atheist, either or. The Abrahamic? Abrahamic, yeah. Oh. So the Abrahamic God is the God of the Jews, the God of the Christians, and the God of the Muslims. So I, That's I, the same I, God. I thought I heard something completely different. My apologies. Oh, no worries. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, sometimes I record these episodes a little early. Jared got good news today. He was promoted to supervisor. So... Yay, me, I can say that because it will have officially been announced. Uh, 
Yeah, a week ago. Yeah, it'll have officially been announced a week ago. So anyways, moving forward. Okay, uh, so a lot of us are saying, yeah, we're Christian, uh, and mm-hmm. and we're starting to move away from it. So so what, continue, my apologies. I heard a word, I interrupted. Oh, no, no worries. So because society as a whole is becoming more secular as far as pulling away from church, not going to church, not believing in God, I'm not saying it's a cause or an issue for whatever we want on the world, but just a lot of people are more open to the idea of polygamy again, to where, um, you know, you're you're hearing a lot of stuff about throuples, you're hearing stuff about couples dating outside of their marriage or outside of their relationship. They'll have a romantic relationship on this side here. One of them is going to have a sexual relationship with somebody over here, and the other one's going to have a girlfriend. And then this one has a bromance with the husband. So it it can be a lot of intermingling within the idea of polygamy, Mm -hmm. but it's become more acceptable now in the past, what, two or three years, like just before COVID. Yeah. Like a little bit before COVID versus 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know, the only polygamists you ever heard about were uh, not fundamentals. Um, Mormons, the kicked out Mormons. Yeah. Fuck, what was the name of it? Because they have their own little sect. But essentially, Mormons were the only ones you really ever heard of. And if you dug any deeper, you'd also know that uh, Africans, a large portion of Northern Africa has, the tribes are practiced polygamy still. And polygamy is also acceptable for Muslims in the Middle East, but only for those that are practicing Muslims. So it's still something that's in the world. But I think more in the West, in the Western Hemisphere, as far as America and Europe, it's become more acceptable or tolerated in the last five years, like you said. Why Why do you think we've started now? Because like, I remember in the 70s, like, love was love. That's just what it was. Why? Why do you think now we've been able to push away from monogamy and kind of move towards this more polyamorous relation these more polyamorous relationships i think part of it is that we pulled away from the church and not to be a pro or con one way or another for the church or for religion or for christianity simply that uh removing the judgment or the stigma that most people see or associate with if you believe in a christian faith or any type of uh christian jewish or muslim faith americanized versions then you see that, oh, it should only be monogamy between husband and wife. But no one really bothers to read or understand the Bible and know that JC says nothing about sex and doesn't say anything about husband and wife marriage one-on-one. As you read in the Old Testament, um, various people, rich and poor, had multiple wives, You know, so-and-so and his wives. And so I think it's more acceptable as the idea if you pull away from Christianity and then also... If you are a non-Christian, as far as your beliefs go, so like I said earlier, we're either um, Christian or we believe in creationism. We either believe in evolution or you believe in intelligent design where somehow aliens kind of mixed the goop and made us, you know, kind of uh, explode the way we, we are, evolution coming from an amoeba or uh, the creationist, because it's not just Christians that believe that a God created man and, wo- man and woman and then created the earth. A lot of indigenous uh, indigenous peoples have that same belief or idea that there's one God that created or one supreme ent- entity that created man and woman, that there was a flood and a lot of similarities between various civilizations and different regions of the world. So <clears throat> if you were to go with evolutionary thought that we eventually came from primates, from the primordial ooze to amphibian or to fish to amphibian to primate to human. Uh, Very few primates, even though they're social groups, very few practice monogamy within them. Orangutans and bonobo monkeys are the only ones that practice monogamy in their own uh, social system. Uh, Whereas uh, gorillas, chimpanzees, which supposedly were the most common or most uh, closely related to, have a hierarchical uh, polygamy structure. So where the most alpha males, the most uh, aggressive, stronger, best trait males have access to most of the women, kind of the way we see it 
on dating app profiles. The best looking guys, the most fit guys have access to all of the women or most of the women. Yeah, like so that kind of corresponds and correlates again to what our, our primal or primate instincts. And it also coincides with a common kink among women of CNC trigger warning. This is a uh, CNC is a kink called consensual non-consent, which is essentially consensual rape. And it's something that would be organized between the two, but this fantasy has a primal or primate, uh, link. Whereas in primates, if an alpha male wants a female monkey or chimp or gorilla, whichever, whichever is the social group you want to look at, he will take it. And we would see it, or we try to anthropomorphize putting our human traits onto them. Oh, he didn't give her permission, but we don't see or know the social structures well enough to be able to say, oh yeah, that wasn't consensual. We just see that he took it but it doesn't mean that it doesn't follow the same mating structure, the mating rituals that they have within themselves. So we just see it. Oh, he didn't follow the entire mating ritual. So clearly he raped her, but it's still something that's natural and base within primates. and something that's natural and base within humans as well. Okay. So, well, cause, cause one thing I wanted to bring up just a second ago, I, I, I love that you, you went on that little, that little story time there. Um, but yeah, like there, there was like something like guys swipe on like 75% of women that they see and women will swipe on, swipe on like five to 15% or something like that of men. And yeah, it's, it, you're right. It's, it's, it's the, the prime stock of, of men, you know, they're in shape, their, their pictures make them look good and they look like they're doing well in society, which is what everybody wants to be able to do. I mean, dude, it like, I, I Becca was in, when I was in my head operation officer, I was going to marry an officer. I could just sit back, relax, let her, let her rake in that dough and call it a day. So yeah, no, like, and, and I get that. Cause you're right. When the alpha male says, Oh, I want this, 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 uh, you know, this female here, I'm going to take it to her. She's like, I'm going to put up that fight. Oh, he's earned it. He, he has all the traits that I want. Yes, great. I saw him beat up Toby over there, uh, who's a piece of shit. And then, you know, like he, he's big, strong. He's got all these other women, all these kids. He's bred good children. Yeah, like that makes sense. But because the, uh, the, the only thing that I don't get is, is why is it? I mean, I've, I've dabbled a little bit in it. I have just, just a, I dipped my toe in and it wasn't for Jared. Just absolutely was not for Jared. Why do you think it's so hard for some of us to be like, yeah, polyamory may have just been a, a structure that was created for a thing a long, long time ago. And now that we don't have to follow those weird structures because a king is not trying, we're not trying to usurp him. Why do you think now it's, it's so hard for us to be like, oh, yeah, there's a thruple. That's an interesting, uh, it's a good question. And it's something, it's, oh, not stumped. It's more of, I don't know if that's a nature or nurture thing. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's in you that from the time you were an infant, oh yeah, only man and wife should be together. That, you know, that's within you, that's innate. Or that you've seen society for so long growing up that you're like, okay, this is what it should be. This is what feels comfortable. So you're used to it because of, you know, what you're brought up with television, mainstream media, um, grooming, not grooming, uh, fuck. Well, I mean, it's mores, mores, all the other things. Yeah. So it, it could be that that's just the structure you're used to seeing and you're, you prefer to be within this box rather than trying to dip your toes out. Yeah. Oh no, that's not comfortable for me. I don't want to go outside of my comfort zone. So I think it's more of a comfort zone thing for you and for a lot of people in general that this is, this is what I'm okay with. You do you over there, just don't bring it over here. The problem that I had with the, like I said, I, I like, I just dipped the toe in, the pinky toe, if that was that, like, I would have moments where, like, I want to spend time with this woman. I just, I want to spend time with her. And I mean, like, it, it made me, she made me feel really good about what I was good at, right? Like, she was like, I love the way Jared does Jared, you know, with the relationship, the, the sex, you know, just how you treat me in general. I love that. But, I more kind of prefer sometimes this you're, you're like that, you're that, that special, you know, I'm going to treat myself twice a month or something. And 
I don't, it's not that I don't mind it, but it, to me, like, I like spending time. Like, if I want to see you, Gail, can you come over? Like, can we hang out or whatever? And I don't want, you know, and like, she was really good about not saying, oh, I'm going to spend the, I'm going to spend the night with Toby or I'm doing this or that. She's like, oh, I'm just busy, you know, and I'd be like, oh, okay. But then that was in my mind is like, well, who's she busy with? What is, what's going on? Like, if I want to spend time with someone, I want to, I put my all into one person because, dude, don't get me don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, I would love to have four or five other women who are like, "Hey, Jared, can I can I come over? Like, can we can we meet or something like that?" I'd love that if I was the center of attention. But when I'm vying for one person's attention with a whole bunch of other people, it I'm an attention whore, man. I, I like I, I like I like the fact that I can just be like, "Sarah, I'm coming over." She's like, "All right, great, come on by." You know, like I I love that. So that was my problem, but. You know, yeah, it, it, it could be very uncomfortable for some. And for some, they're like, ah, for, for fucking give Toby a good one, you know? So I, I don't know. So I think, so from, from hearing the what you just shared, yeah, you were, you were dipping your toe into polygamy, but in polygandry to where you were one of males, not yeah. the male with one of females. And you said it yourself. You would rather have females. You'd rather have, uh, fuck, polygyny. To where you have the females and they're coming to you where you're the center of attention. Yeah. But in that, oh, what's the word? See, like, I wouldn't mind if they had other guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that that wouldn't be a, I mean, it kind of maybe sort of a little bit. But, like, if I am the center of attention, like, I, I as selfish as it may sound, but, yeah, like, I don't, like, that's fine. That That's mm-hmm. cool because I've got, like, four other women. And the problem with that is, like, dude, I barely got Sarah. Like, but it, like, sh- like she told me when I first messaged her, she's like, "You sent me a massive message." And I was like, "Look, it's it's either all Jared or no Jared. You 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 get one hundred percent or zero. And so, she was like, almost kind of maybe. So like, dating is difficult for me. It just is. It always will be. So like, I I get one. I'm like, cool. Put it in co- Put it on cruise control, and let's see where this wagon takes us. Um, and. Polygamy, at least the one you're interested in, the polygandry where you would have the women, that's still a lot of work. Like even though you you'd be able to give 100% of you, having multiple women, having them satisfied to a degree, being happy with you. And I don't mean sexually satisfied. I mean just satisfied oh, yeah. with the relationship. Because another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that like sex is a very small part of your relationship. You know, it, it's, it's like a small percentage of what happens. You know, I mean, you know, the average intercourse time is like 13 minutes, you know, from foreplay to finish. So 13 minutes, let's just say you do it three times a week. That's still, that's, you know, barely an hour of your week compared mm-hmm. to how much time you put into work, how much time you have to sleep and how much time you have to spend with your partner. So the satisfaction of your partner is also relying upon emotional connection as far as understanding them, having conversations with them, all the other things that go along with relationships. So having to do that two, three, four times with, you know, all these other women that you have is difficult because you have to do that for them to want to have sex with you, for them to want to do, um, not just have sex, but then also be willing to be, um, experimental with the sex that they have with you. Because if you get into a rut or do the same old, same old thing, sure. That'll work for a year. That could work for two or three years, but eventually she'll get tired of you and then leave you and find someone else who can Mm -hmm. stimulate her outside of the bedroom and in the bedroom. So relationships are work. Polygamous relationships are a lot of fucking work. So I get the allure of wanting to have more than one partner to be able to, you know, Oh, this one's going to be the one I'm going to go to concerts with. And this is the one I'm going to go dancing with. This is the one I'm going to cuddle and watch TV with and whatever. But you still have to give that equal amount of attention to all of them. Yeah, like Mondays, Mondays cuddle day, Wednesdays are my concert days, and then Friday are my dances. And and that's not that's not just a oh every so often like you do sometimes. It's every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday you're having to do those things. And I mean like I dude, I'd be fine to put that sort of effort into it if the outcome was what I wanted to. I have no problem going balls to the wall with that. You know, I may throttle it back to just one or two women, you know, that I, that I, you know, just one extra woman or two extra women. But like that, that was always the problem is it's like, dude, I get one. And then it's like, how do I coast from here? Because that was one thing I've always found interesting is that 
when guys would have multiple women or just multiple partners in general, whether they were, you know, they could flip a switch and, you know, oh, guy, you're looking pretty cute there, big guy. You know, like those kind of things. It just, it always kind of opened me because usually, like, if the girl's like, hey, we're going to do this thing, the guy is either like, well, no, and then she's like, all right, bye. You know, but if a guy is like that, it's not just a, oh, that's cool, and then she goes, bye, and she usually leaves real fast, you know, whereas uh, that's, and maybe it's because I'm influenced by the internet, you know, where I hear a lot of those stories where, where the girl is like, yeah, let's open up, but if a guy's like, yeah, let's open up, it usually goes a little bit differently, and then you always hear those horror stories where the, like, the guy was like, yeah, the wife told me she wanted to open things up, I can't get anybody, this is fucking trash and garbage, so, I, like, I'm a little jaded by that, I guess, and very jaded by the fact that like dude it was two years before i found sarah you know and then it was two years before that with her and then two years before that so it's like dude i find one and like let's hit cruise control i don't want to i don't want to lose something and then go two years of just being alone jared because that that was not fun you guys even said there was a massive change so oh yeah no i, I night and day from damn when do we meet it's been a year and a half now something like yeah, that year and a half but yeah, no, it, it, there's a, a big difference with you, with your happiness. And it's the fulfillment of that relationship. It's not, I don't think it's just Sarah, but it's what Sarah and you together are that keeps you wanting to do for Sarah to make her happy. So it's basically a feedback loop where you do for her because she's going to do for you, which makes you Jared happy, which makes you want to do more for her, which makes her want to do for you, which makes Jared even happier and on and on and on and on. Um, I didn't buy her a burrito today though, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> I told her I'd buy her a burrito today, but like they, so th th at work, they're like, you got to call all these people. I was like, fucking what, dude? No, why are you laying this on me? So yeah, like today, because usually she'll just text me and she's like hungry. I go, okay. And then I call up her burrito place and I order and I pay for it. And then like next thing I know, I was like, uh, I was texting her. I was like, I just finally had lunch. She's like, I didn't get to have lunch. I was like, why not? She's like, you never responded. You just disappeared. I was like, no, I texted you. You just didn't respond back. And so I, I owe her a burrito, <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right. It, it is a, it is a bit of a feedback loop. Mm -hmm. Um, shit. What were we talking about? We were talking about something right before. Oh yeah. And, yeah. How like, it's so hard or the night and day oh, difference between what, what Jared looked like when you first yeah. met me. So, so the difference between there, but then also like you were saying that op relationships opening up after the fact, mm -hmm. more often than not, when a woman brings it up, she already has someone in mind, someone yeah. kind of lined up and she just doesn't, she wants permission to cheat or permission to um, go through whatever. She's already like 90% of the way there. And so when the guy agrees to it, oh yeah, fuck yeah, let's do this. He's never considering that she's already got somebody on the hook. And you still got to go buy your fishing gear, you know, if, if that's the best analogy I could come up with. And so, you know, for guys, they don't know how to, how honest they got to be with girls. They don't know how to present that out there. And then especially now with the way uh, dating apps are and girls don't want to be the second one. They don't want to be the throuple. They don't want to be the third or the fourth uh, because, you know, they'll put in the profile, Hey, I'm in an open relationship, blah, 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 blah. And so automatically they know that they're not going to be prioritized or they assume they're not going to be prioritized. So this is where Gaio prefers to meet women in person because dating apps for me are just whenever I'm traveling, because that's where, you know, the, the hack works for me mm -hmm. um, or the algorithm works for me when I move or quote unquote move. Um, but working in person, you can always talk to them. And when I was being a slut, the way I would, move around is I don't have a girlfriend, so I don't have to share everything that I do or everything that I'm doing. I can be honest with her to a degree that I know is acceptable unless she specifically asks, are you seeing other women? Are you sleeping with other women? Are you, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a whatever? And so like, no, I'm widowed. I am going out on other dates. Do you want to know any more information? Cause I'll, I won't tell them that I'm sleeping with other women unless they specifically ask because that's mm -hmm. not something you want them to hear. They're not going to want to hear. Oh yeah, no. And they'll decide whether they want to continue. And more often than not, they're either surprised by the honesty, like, well, shit, I really like him. Maybe he'll pick me. And it's, it's kind of, it drives them to be more competitive and more experimental to do things for me, to want to pick them over the others. But in the end, they just kind of filter themselves out because they get tired of waiting. So whatever. That drive is very real. 
when that when an ex of mine told me that she had three other guys that she was going on dates with, guess who busted out everything? I I I was like, this I'm locking you down, Emily. I like you. I'm locking you the fuck down. And I did. I did. And uh, it was funny because I was like, hey, look, I I really want to date you. Uh, I think this was like date number three yeah on the third date i was like look i really like you i want to i want to continue these things with you i want to make it permanent and she was like yeah she's like i i want to say yes but i want to wait and i was like why she's like this guy's gonna buy me sushi i was like sushi is not cheap go for it like i'd be down just go she's like yeah i just i want the free sushi i was like i'd fuck that's fine with me go go for it have the sushi like just if he makes like because i'd be like i'm i'd be happy to let you do that because dude i bought her sushi one night uh, I think it was the second date, and I was just like, "Fuck that! No, we're going, we're going." I learned it's not double Dutch; it's just we're going Dutch on a date. I, for the longest time, thought it was double Dutch for some stupid reason. I don't know why, but where you pay for each, you pay for yourself. But yeah, like I just, I thought it was funny, but I was like, "Yeah," I was like, "Next time we go, you're you're buying your own sushi." Yeah, yeah. Double Dutch is that jump rope game. <clears throat> um, I know that now. So, so this is another reason why you need to move to Nevada because. At least for Reno and Vegas, uh, we have all-you-can-eat sushi. It's usually like 25 bucks for lunch and 30 for dinner. But if you get three rolls or more, you already got your money's worth. And so, yeah, that's that's why I love Reno and Vegas. And most people are like, oh, no, you're landlocked. Why would you even want to have sushi? But you got to remember that the casinos place really big orders. And the sushi places kind of piggyback the orders off of them. So they get cheap sushi. That's what they can offer, or cheap fish. That's what they can offer. That all you can eat, and it's getting flown in because their casinos they demand quality, and so you can still get just as fresh fish. You're talking about twelve hours older than what you would get if you were in L.A. or San Francisco, but still, it's good yeah. sushi. A casino that's making money by people playing mm -hmm. games. They do not want you to get food poisoning and be down for twenty four to forty eight hours. Exactly. They don't make money off of you sleeping in the hotel room. They make money mm -hmm. off of you playing. Yeah, no, I um I, I I talked to uh, Sarah about that. I was like, let's move to Nevada. She's like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that she, well, she, what was her no? What was her reason? Uh, she wants to be able to take longer than a a a, a, a five minute shower because of restrictions. What restrictions? Yeah, I was like, is that a real thing? She's like, apparently, that's I was like that's California. That's not yeah. Nevada. I don't remember. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I've been drinking this strawberry. Dude, Clear American makes this this great strawberry daiquiri water. It's unsweetened and it's uh, non-alcoholic. The shit's tasty. Like it tastes like a daiquiri, but fizzy water. I'm sorry. But yeah, no. She uh, she told me no, and I there's a very real chance I will visit the Bunny Ranch. There's a very real chance I will. Um, but I I I think I can live in Nevada. But yeah, what what what. No, I was just thinking, it, it reminded me, so a fan of mine told me a story about the Bunny Ranch, and it was just kind of like, this is why you can get away with doing things. So um, why girlfriends wouldn't have a problem with a guy going to see an escort versus him cheating. So let's just say Sarah makes you lunch, makes you a sandwich every day. Every day you go to work, yeah. she makes you lunch, packs it away for you, right? Well, she loves sandwiches, so that's a very real possibility. So yeah, she packs you a lunch, she makes a sandwich for you every day, right? You go to work. One day she oversleeps. She gets hungover on a Friday night or, or Sunday night. So she just doesn't make you a sandwich Monday morning, right? Just random. Yeah. Sarah would be super pissed if she found out that that bitch from HR made you a sandwich and brought it to you at lunch. She would fucking lose her shit. Yeah. Probably kill you, right? Yeah. But Sarah would have absolutely no problem if you went to Subway for lunch. You go pay for a sandwich, you get your sandwich, you're done. So that's the kind of same rationale and reasoning to go see an escort, you know, oh, that you have to like invest time and effort and, you know, romantic feelings with HR Susie to, you know, go and hook up with her. But if you go see an escort, that's just transactional. You're just getting it in, you're getting your rocks off and done. Dude, I don't know about you, but I think my first two sessions with a bunny ranch girl, I might just like put my head on her stomach and cry. Like, I don't know, just like hold her tight. And Whatever you want to do. Hey, that yeah. it's your money. I see. Like, I'd like to get somebody like that on and be like, "How many of your clients are actually just like sex? You know, like how many of your clients are actually sex versus like just going on it?" Because there was there was a, a story on Reddit about uh, this this escort who like 
this dude would take her on dates and like he he stuttered and whatnot and it was to build up his confidence and she would be patient with him she would like sit through the whole thing and like she eventually was like i'm not gonna make you pay me anymore and like they still go on these dates and it's it like it boosted his confidence it helped him and it was never about the sex it was just about the fact that she like and i want to be like i want to hear those stories that is awesome like you are legitimately i mean yeah you're having somebody pay you but you're doing a service that is in fucking incredible I'll talk to one of my fans because he's he's got some friends that are escorts at not the Bunny Ranch, but a ranch. Um, okay. It's not the Mustang. It's not the Bunny. It's another one. I mean, I don't have to know. I can keep it anonymous. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I doubt that they'll care. I mean, if they're going to come on camera, they're sure. They might even try to plug themselves. But, of course, we're talking like middle of nowhere, Nevada. Um, if- but, yeah, I'll talk to the fan, see if he make a note. I mean, if, if they're willing to do the, 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 the Zoom camera version, I'm fine. If they want to just do an audio-only version, I don't give a shit. You know me. I, uh, I go either way, uh, video or no video. So. Okay. Yeah. So I have, I have the messaging open to message this guy to see if he knows any escorts that are willing to come on and do interviews, which actually I should probably poach some so you get some to come on to mine. But whatever. We'll see. We'll figure it out. I, uh, I'm trying to get a real big streamer to, to come on. I'm, I'm in I'm in cahoots. I sent an email and I got a little inside track on it too. Got a, a friend of theirs who uh, was like, "Hey, Jared's a good guy. Come on, feathers and friends. It'll be a fun interview. We'll see mm. what happens." I sent a good email. I sent a good professional email. I sent it the day before Christmas too. So I was like, "Why are they not responding?" Oh, that's right. It's December thirtieth. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that would be fun. That'd be fun to get some cool some cool uh, escort stories. I, 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 I probably offend them in some way somehow. I don't know. Say something wrong. Well, Gail, I, uh, I want to say thank you, for 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 coming on for uh, talking, dude. Why is it that we always talk about sex? Like, is it like we 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 have this we have this tale, right? Okay, monogamy is a little bit about sex, but then like the second half of the conversation, I was like, well, that's thirty minutes, Gail. There's got to be more to it, and we're like, no, nah, not really. And then it, we, it dives into sex. Like, I, I love that every time you come on, it's just, yeah, we're going to talk about dick and, and, and Punani. I love it. You can laugh out loud Wait, on my fucking we, podcast. I keep forgetting. I'm sorry. Wait, was that? Did we talk about Punani and sex on uh, the military episode with the Russian spy? I don't I'm think sure we did. I'm sure it was in there a little bit. Mm, I don't know. I still remember that episode. I thought I, I made Eric mad because, like, it was a surprise. You're coming on, the three of yeah. us. I, I I was like, dude, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I was just tired. I was like, but did I really upset you by bringing Guy on? I thought for the longest time that he was mad about that. And he thought that I was mad. I was mad because something. And we talked about it here recently on his episode. Like, no, I just, well, I just knew there was gonna be somebody else. I was like, oh shit, we got a, a, a squid, but it wasn't a big deal. So, yeah. but I yeah, was, I mean, I think it was just an awkward introduction for for us. We're like, oh shit, I don't know how to behave, you know. I so. was. I was trying to be like sneaky, be like, look at it, just spontaneous friendship. And look, it did spawn a friendship. Yeah, we're in a chat. We got Discord, we got text message group, we got all kinds of shit going on. You know why I created the chat or the, the, the text thread? Mm. I got bored of texting you all individually. <laughs> I'm not going to No, we're all on Discord and you keep messaging us, messaging us there on the, uh, the, the podcast channel of, of the other guy. I don't know if we're going to be able to talk about his podcast the Eve server Mark show channel. yeah yeah well yeah like yeah we're all there but like <laughs> you and you and eric are like rarely on discord from what i see like it's that's mainly mark and i and then i got a couple of people at work that i message on discord because i'm like i don't want to put this in the work chat so that's why i just said i'm going to put it all on phones i mean we all have iphones so it just makes it a yeah. thousand times easier <sighs> i love you Gaio. i love you too brother yeah, well, why don't you? Even pl- though I'm not your best friend, you are my best dirty nope. little hippies. Nope, nope. You said it in the text message. You know where, where everybody knows where we stand because Eric is officially the best friend. You see that? I can do that. I have the power. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that to you. Give your plugs. Give your plugs. Where can everybody find you? You like that abuse of power, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it doesn't matter. They can go back and hear old ones, but 
I'm Gallo, the chivalrous chauvinist. You can find me at Susias, S-U-C-I-A-S dot X-Y-Z. If you want to come at me, you can text me, you can email me, find my socials, which is mostly just Reddit, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can find me there easily. I respond to whatever. If you have any ideas or questions about history, sex, dating relationships, or love in general, I can help you. I kind of helped Jared and I had him on an episode talking about his relationship kind of I think it's a little bit thanks to me, but he says it's more than just a little bit. But either way, uh, he's in a happy relationship for the past eight months now, seven, eight months. Yeah, we just had eight months. Sorry, I did quick go. math. Yeah. I'm, I'm keeping better track it's than like you 12 are. 12 minus four. What is that? <laughs> Dude, my brain is so fried today. Dude, I'll, I'll tell you off air. But yeah, my brain is fried. No worries. But yeah, so... And I've helped a few other people, but they're not as public and social about it as uh, Jared is here. But uh, I do help people get in relationships, guys and girls. So if you want to find me, need some help, questions, whatever, susias.xyz. And yeah, that's it. Dude, Sarah doesn't listen to these, so that's why I'm so public about it. She don't, she'll never hear this. She'll never hear it, so it's whatever. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's awesome. But guy, <laughs> you want to you lead us out again? Yeah, man. Fucking everybody listening, I love you. You are worthy of it. But next time, that's it. This kid is in Spanish. Nobody here doesn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>